heard a rumor that I blew your mind. Welcome to Sonic Bites, the freewheeling conversation and interview series for the eclectic music lover. This week, we're discussing one of the greatest albums of the 1970s and probably of all time, Rumours by Fleetwood Mac. From our own personal experiences with the record to trying to guess how long the impact of the songs and the record might last, if not forever. We also play a fun game of this or stat, where we pit some artists against each other and try to guess some weird and impressive statistics from their careers. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting platform. And subscribe to the channel Leo Kelly G Music and like the video, as it really goes a long way to supporting the podcast. We hope you enjoy it. All right. Cool. How's it going? Um, yeah, it's not too bad actually. It's been a nice, good week for good week for music. Got lots of lots of practice and playing in. Um, I'm away to Wales next week, uh, next weekend. So I'm going to get a chance to have some like a break from working and doing everything. Actually, do some songwriting and um, which I'm really looking forward to. Sort of taking a bit of time off and actually Sweet. doing some yeah, like, just... inner in inner exploration and things, which would be really nice. Yeah, uh, I guess. How about you? Can, uh... What have you been up to this week? <clears throat> um, yeah, it's it's been all right. I've been um, just noodling around. I've I've tuned my guitar down to uh, C sharp standard recently. I've just been messing around with um, things, just playing standard Ooh. things, but in that key. It's it's because I've I strung my guitar with like the wrong gauge of strings. Um, if you're not familiar with mm. gauges, it's basically how thick your strings are and that affects the tension on the guitar. Um, and because I didn't yeah. actually pay attention to what gauge I, I was buying, um, it was kind of making my guitar a bit wonky. So I decided to just, oh, I, I might just down tune it sort of. Um, it's quite inspired by uh, Madison Cunningham and um, she tunes her yes. uh, yeah, jazz yeah. master down to C standard which is pretty rogue. <laughs> I think tuning down, I normally associate with kind of like more heavier metal music. Um, I think Slipknot sometimes, they tune down to like yeah, exactly. Um But uh, yeah, like using that with like clean sounds and um, uh, it, it sort of gives a different sort of uh, vibe to everything you play. It make, almost makes it feel a bit um, deeper, almost more, more introspective for some yeah. reason, even though it's just a different key, you know. Um, yeah, yeah also, I yeah. always find it sounds like strangely richer um, mm. I watch this great video on like why Stratocasters specifically like Fender Strats they sound better in E flat than they do in E um, sure. and it's, it's whether it's just the looseness of the strings or just the fact that like you, you are you're playing in a slightly lower key or like just something it just seems to, it just resonates more in some way it's really really nice um, yeah. you know it's kind of like um I don't know. It'd be like if you transpose a piano down, like like be able to hit the same, um, you, like like if you were to play in like C, for example, and then transpose down to B flat, like all the licks that you'd hear in C, sort of they sound fresher if you hear them in another key, I guess. Mm. Um, but you can still hit them with the same like force, I guess, if that it, perhaps. Um, and so you can do the same thing, but because you're you're playing it lower, it it just gives a new it's new color, new colors and things to sort of uh, to hear. With, yeah, it's it's like how they say how D minor is the saddest key, and. But like, why is that? You know, that's a, I haven't really completely figured it out yet. But uh, 
I, I think uh, I can't remember who it was that worked it out, um, but it was uh, it was all the way back in the 1700s. I think it was basically this guy decided that he knew uh, what all the emotions of all the keys were, and so he wrote them down uh, and sort sure. of published them. And it's been used sort of subconsciously as a reference point for such a long time now that I think uh, it's almost it's it, obviously it's not it's something you learn. I think so if you if you keep hearing certain it's probably more in the classical world than in the pop world. But like if you hear a certain song, say in D minor, um, and like it's it's designed to be a sad song because, you know, the person who's composed it knew that that was a sad key, et cetera, et cetera. And then you hear that, like every time you hear D minor, it's going to sort of. Yeah, um, just by association. You know, sort of, it, 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 just by association and repetition of hearing it again and again and again, I think you start like um, you start to, you know, believe that that's a sad key. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a sad key, um, mm. but I think it's just. Um, it's become so ingrained in a lot of genres of music now that we just believe that that's the case. Like C major is like the, the childish innocent key. Um, but at the same time, if you don't have, if you don't have, yeah, exactly. Like why? Cause yeah, but like, but you don't necessarily have the, if you don't have the, the, the sort of the knowledge of pitch to recognize something is in C major, then like is it still the same like if you can't hear it in c major you don't recognize oh that's c major and you play something that is you know traditionally in b flat like if you transpose it for example then does it does it keep the same emotion or does it become different because you put it in a different key like mm. i guess it's, it's it's more so with like something like piano where like if you were to play like a b flat chord and then move up to a c chord like the fingerings are different so perhaps because you finger things differently or you 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 have to move your fingers around to play things differently um you know the transposition is is more significant whereas if you're on guitar and you're playing like something in f and you just move it up to g like you you can play exactly the same shapes and everything and it doesn't change as much so maybe it's just like coming from music as a as a from an instrument where like the key the key change is significant in terms of what you're mechanically doing versus when it's not in a different key in another instrument maybe that has something to do with it yeah i'm curious if a non musician has i mean they probably that doesn't really have to care about how play, things are played on a keyboard or piano as well, how they might mm. think that different things are like, might feel different in a different key. So for example, I mean, I assume maybe a lot of Metallica fans might play guitar or some sort of instrument, um, but they recorded all their songs in E um, or in E standard um, when they were younger um like in their 20s and just having like James Hetfield, the lead singer, uh, actually has like a higher range. And nowadays, because they're in their 50s, mm. and I think late 50s now, um, but they tune everything down. I think over the years, they've just been going like a step lower <laughs> each time. Yeah. And now they're, <laughs> now they're sort of playing those hits in sort of maybe D or even C sharp now. Um, and it's like... Mm. I'm wondering, I mean, obviously you can notice it if, if you're aware of that and things might sound quote, quote, heavier because they're in a different key. But um, I'm wondering if, mm. if someone that isn't aware, they just simply know the fact that it's been tuned down, how that makes them feel about the music, you know? Um, it's like if John Mayer ever started yeah, playing exactly. things in E flat, you know? I mean, I, I'm, sh he, I'm sure there's songs where he's tuned mm. his guitar to E flat in the past. Um, but He does, yeah. yeah there's... A lot of yeah. the live NLAs uh, is recorded in E flat, I think. Yeah, yeah, but if it's like, yeah, and I don't know, this it's just interesting. Um, but anyway, that's that's guitar. That's like, yeah, they're not like they're not the on, they're not the only ones actually as well. Um, like I know that for a fact that Billy Joel 
um, when he performs now, uh, transposes everything down but on a piano. Like he just uses the transpose key and then plays everything in the original fingerings, oh, but right. then transpose down. Elton John's the same. Oh. So like, see, it's, it's basically, you know, seeing in your twenties versus seeing in your fifties, like mm. it's a completely different beast. And so like, if you are singing notes that are extremely high, it, it makes more sense to transpose it down so yeah. you can still get the same performance out as opposed to having to like change the way you sing it, you know? Yeah, and is that cheating? Find out on this episode of Sonic Bites, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. So uh, we have uh, another game for you guys this week. Uh, what is it called? Uh, what name have we come up with this week, Johnny? Well, welcome to the first edition of... Drumroll, please. Aptly named This or Stad. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there needs to be some sort of audience applause there. We'll, we'll fix something. We'll get a drum roll and we'll get some audience applause as well. Yeah, but basically the rules of the game are um, we'll, we'll each propose two artists to the other person and we've got a bunch of statistics and facts prepared um, about those two artists and basically we need to guess which is which. Um, nice and easy. All right, okay. Yeah, do, I have do my coin. To, uh, I'm going to toss it. Uh, Heads or tails? Um, tails. I think I've said heads all the other times. <laughs> it is tails. So you get to choose who goes first. Okay. I think you should go first. In as in I should ask of, questions first or answer questions first? You should ask the questions first. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, the two artists that I have, I'm going to keep it the same for all five questions, are the two titans of the 1980s, uh, Prince and Michael Jackson. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Sure. So I've got I've, five questions I've, for you, and each one you can choose whether it's Prince or Michael Jackson. You ready? I wasn't expecting that. All right. All right, okay. So Let's go. question number one, um, as I said before, both were giants in the music industry, but who had the most top 10 hits, Michael Jackson or Prince? Hmm. Are you trying to catch me out in this one? or are you... hmm. We said we were going to time this as well, right? Yep. Well, I guess... The... I guess I'll give you a, all right, okay. I'll give you another 10 seconds. I, I mean, obviously, I want to say Michael Jackson, obviously, but let's say, I'm going to say Michael Jackson. I'm just going to stick okay. with my gut. You are, in fact, correct. It was Michael oh. Jackson. He had 13 top 10 hits, whereas Prince only had five. Cool. Like 13 one, is a ridiculous of, number of top 10 hits to have, by the way. It's absolutely mental. One of them. Um, okay, question two then, you ready? Sure. So, um, obviously both of them were amazing performers uh, and they toured heavily uh, throughout their careers, but which out of the two had the highest grossing tour? Michael Jackson or Prince? High I just realised, there we go. Tour. I feel like all of these are just kind of skewed towards Michael Jackson, but... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Prince just toured harder and had less shows. Up. Yeah, more shows. Prince. Oh, <laughs> it was, in fact, uh, Michael Jackson. Oh, uh, he grossed $260 million with the Bad Tour versus yeah. $30 million, which was Prince's Purple Rain Tour, which is his highest grossing one. Oh, if, um, these are, if these are all money questions, I feel like they should all be Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, no, we'll no, no. See. So we're, we're changing it up a little bit now. Um, okay, so this one uh, is Prince and Michael Jackson are both amazing and iconic singers, but who had the biggest vocal range? Was it Prince or was it Michael Jackson? Vocal range. Hmm. So lowest note to highest okay. note they could possibly sing, including falsetto as well. You're going to time me? Oh, yes. Um, I... F hmm... Maybe Prince did go lower. I'm gonna go Prince. 
Maybe just because I like Prince more. <laughs> it was, in fact, Prince, yes. He went all the way from an A1, ah. which is, to a C7, which is, which is ridiculous, versus Michael Jackson, which was E flat wow. two, which is to F sharp six. There you so, go. So, there you go. So, Prince had the highest vocal range. Okay. Um, this one's a bit of a strange one, uh, but see if you can get it. So, um, I don't know if you know about this, but there had a massive feud going on in the 80s. So, although the feud between the two singers was heated and often physical, um, they were actually earmarked to sing a duet on a song which made it onto Michael Jackson's bad album uh, in 1987. But which song was it? Oh, actually, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of what songs are in bad. I'm going to say... Dirty Diana or something. <laughs> oh, close. It was, in fact, uh, it was bad. Um, that was bad, right. They were actually, that was supposed to be a duet between Michael Jackson and Prince. Um, but apparently, because the first line was like, your bud is mine, um, Michael Jackson was like, nah, I'm not doing it. Um, oh. So he went away from it. There you go. Okay. And so you are, uh, you're two for four. So the last one's a clinch, see if you get a over half or under half. So uh, in 1983, during a James Brown concert, James called up Michael Jackson and then Prince to perform uh, as well. So they both performed, all three of them were on stage together. Um, but after the performance, who tried to run over who with their limo? Oh, jeez. Was it Prince or Michael Jackson? Yeah, talk about st statistics, which is completely not that. Um, <laughs> I guess it's a Th this one or a zero. Stat. I'm going to say Michael Jackson, just because... I mean, it's probably Prince. No, I was thinking about it. Stick you want to change Jackson. your answer or are you sticking with Michael Jackson? I'm sticking Michael Jackson. It was actually Prince. Uh, he tried to was. run over Michael Jackson with his limo, apparently, after the performance. Oh. They, they were that uh, unenamored with each other. Oh, how many did I get in the end? All right, so you had two for five, um, which is 40%. So if you were shooting threes, that would be uh, pretty damn good uh, by NBA standards. I, yeah, but it's still 40. No, that's not good, man. <laughs> I mean, this is just, this <laughs> All right, is just okay, trivia, my turn. I guess. All right, welcome to a game of Fleetwood Mac versus Earth, Wind and Fire. Oh my God. <laughs> Hashtag Fleetwood um, stats. Yeah, I feel like there needs to be some sort of Earth, like weird mashup that comes in right now. <laughs> yeah. It's like some sort of Fleetwood Mac song over like an Earth, the Wind and Fire. The 21st night of set never going back again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly that, right? <laughs> cool. All right, hit me. Kick I'm ready. things off with something quite simple um number of studio albums was this fleetwood mac or was this earth wind and fire i reckon that's I'm gonna, gonna be time... wait i gotta time you I'm... okay go on we've prepared so well for this you know. <laughs> um... i know that um fleetwood mac released a lot of studio albums like way more than they are commercially known for um but then again i have no idea about earth wind and fire like how many i know september and i know boogie wonderland um so i'm gonna go with fleetwood mac Ding, ding, ding. And the answer was Earth, Wind and Fire with 21. This is 21. According to, this is according to this is according to Wikipedia, um, our most trusted source. How Fever many Mac, did Fleetwood Mac bring out? Fleetwood Mac came very close with 18. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, 21 studio albums. It's mental. Yeah, Earth, Wind and Fire did a lot of stuff. I mean, they, they even did like like things like Chris, like Christmas albums and all that. Cool. <laughs> of course, of course they did. All right, next up. Do you remember the 21st night of December? <laughs> you can find it on Spotify. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Cool. Overall, mem this is this statistic, so not really questions and more statistics. Um, next statistic. Overall members of the band cumulatively. 
Oh my god. Like not touring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I reckon that's got to be members. Earth, Wind, and Fire, surely. And the answer is, it is in fact Earth, Wind, and Fire with yes. forty-seven compared to Fleetwood Max eighteen. Forty-seven. Although, yeah. <laughs> I guess they had a massive band and they were all part of it. But I, I think what was, what was more surprising was that Fleetwood Mac had eighteen members. That's not something I really thought. Like, I know that's like I know the main members. five. But yeah. and I didn't know that like they I know that I know they don't tour with Lindsey Buckingham anymore uh, because mm. he like they don't they don't get on with him even yeah. less now than they did in the 1970s. But like yeah. official, I didn't realize it was 18 official members. Mental. Yeah, I mean may, maybe I just haven't done my research, but I counted it up on the Wikipedia page. All right, cool. Third question: Who I'll had take. the er, who had the earlier first debut studio album? Oh my god! Fleetwood Mac or Earth, Wind and Fire? Fleetwood Mac, I reckon. Because I know that Rumours was quite late into their career, so. And the answer is, it is in fact Fleetwood Mac, 1968. Yes. Uh, Earth, Wind & Fire was um, very shortly after, in 1971. Different decade, but. Different decade, but very close. All right, okay. Fourth statistic. Which top song has more streams on Spotify of theirs? Is it Dreams or is it September? Dreams by Fleetwood Mac or September by Earth, Wind & Fire? Go. <sighs> September's at every single wedding ever and Dreams probably isn't. So I reckon it's got to be September. I reckon. Mm. Or is it going to... Is it... Am I completely... Is it a... Is it a Final red answer? herring? Final answer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. September, September. It is in fact September. Yes. So six, 685,767,721 streams at the time that I found the stat, which is probably yesterday. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, compared to Dreams, which is actually which is actually at four hundred twenty-four million. That's um, not far back, actually. So, I yeah. always figured like just just two hundred million. <laughs> just yes, yeah, just a cool two hundred million away. <laughs> cool. And finally, this is a bit of a weird one. What am I? Am I three for four? Okay, I'm doing you well. Three for, yeah, you've already beaten me. This is garbage time now. Um, garbage time. Getting padding my um, stats. <laughs> but the last played concert on Setless FM um, to date. Was it Fleetwood Mac or was it Earth, Wind and Fire? Who, who played the last <laughs> concert? I have no idea. I can't even like reason that out. They're both so, touring. Earth, Wind and Fire. Complete shot in the dark. It is in fact, it is Earth, Wind and Fire. No they played, way. Played their last official shot. gig was the 28th of December last year. And Fleetwood Mac, I think Mick Fleetwood did like another random concert this year. But their last official concert, I think it was November 20th, 2019. This is as of August 2020. So Yes. Um, for the record. For the record, yeah. Mm. Okay, so four for five. Yeah, nice. you've comprehensively beaten me there. Um, comprehensively. Um, I mean, I, th- I think a lot of your um, your questions were more stat related. Mm. Yeah. Mine were, mine were more this related. In yeah, some of basically, them. you just screwed me over, really. Yeah. I mean, you've got to win mm. any way you can these days, you know? Mm. It's a tougher, got a, tough got world a hus- out there. Got to respect got a- the hustle. Um, so, uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk about this week was in fact, uh, rumors by Fleetwood Mac, which is, uh, one, well, it's, it's, I guess it's one of their, probably their most recognized album, um, or most critically acclaimed album, the, the album they're most, uh, sort of well known for. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a bit not, yeah, I, I guess we're not really going into it in terms of like a, just reading off their Wikipedia page, but I mean, it, it is an album that is, I guess, close to a lot of people's hearts, maybe more to most people than it is 
to me personally speaking. Like I, I know it's a great album and I love the songs off of it, but um, I, I'm not sure why I'm, I'm not calling it like my favorite, like in my top favorite albums of all time. Um, mm. But it's, it doesn't mean that like I dislike the album. Like it's just um, just personally, it's not like um, yeah, just just not in my like go to like. I mean, it, it might be like a desert island record for a lot of people. Um, mm. But um, it's interesting. I mean, what's your experience with rumors in terms of throughout your life? Rumors is a weird one for me because like I feel like it's an album that I'd heard of before I'd listened to properly. Like every time that Fleetwood Mac is mentioned, it's like, oh, you have to listen to Rumors. Oh, Rumors is fantastic. And like, it's almost like they're mentioned mm. in the same breath that they're sort of, they're so tied to their seminal album that they're kind of, they're, they're almost, you can't detach them from it. I know obviously they have other songs like, um, like Everywhere. Um, yeah, which is not on Rumors. Which yeah. is not on Rumors, um, which <laughs> um, uh, is, you know, so, um, I, I have a lot of uh, very fun memories playing that song in various capacities. Um, mm. But every time that Fleetwood Mac comes up in conversation, it's like Rumors is very, either you know precedes it or is very very close behind um so i first listened to rumors it was actually a birthday present from uh lizzie lizzie j or lizzie b as she's known uh, in the west end she's currently uh, tracy turnblad and hairspray um definitely go and watch if you get a chance has that, uh, has that, has that started yet pardon has that started uh, did they ever do a show they're starting again in september i think right mm. um but she gave it to me for my 21st birthday on cd to listen to mm. uh, and i listened to it uh, many, many times afterwards. Uh, and I definitely have my favorites off the album. Uh, I think what, one of my favorite things about the album, uh, for me personally is kind of like that it's not necessarily, I think with a lot of bands, you have like a lead singer, um, mm -hmm. you know, or like if you have just, I'm trying to think of like another band that's kind of well known in a similar sort of time in the late seventies, um, like specifically sort of, in the late seventies <laughs> or, or any about, you know, if you have something like, like a, like a band that's equally as famous, like queen, for example, like Freddie Mercury's the lead singer or like mm. Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin, um, and so on and so forth. Whereas I mean, I, I guess think the Beatles, maybe the Beatles. You know, you yeah. I guess, I guess with the Beatles yeah. as well, where, where yeah. it's not necessarily one singer doing all the work. It's kind of, like you don't have a front man and then everyone else It's very much a band mm. effort. So obviously you have Lindsay Buckingham singing, you have um, Christine McVie and you have Stephen Nicks. So like, mm. it's really interesting having like a three part. And apparently like, 14 other people, but who knows? And 14 <laughs> other people as well. Um, Maybe we're I know completely that, wrong. But I know that, um, is it John McVie, the bassist, he also sings. And so the fact that you have four singing members and playing members oh, of the band, mm. um, it I lends it's itself to some really yeah. sort of interesting yeah. harmonies and sort of and the harmony work is something that I really, really find mm. interesting in the band and sort of, like go your own way for example is it's it's a very like harmonically a really really interesting song um but just the fact that you have these three-part harmonies sort of like as the lead thing is is i find absolutely amazing um or even in songs like um you make loving fun where they almost they almost mm. play like string parts where mm. like the harmonies themselves like instead of having strings you just have these like you know cascading harmonies sort of like adding this like sort of warmth and depth to the whole album which i think is really really cool yeah i think they're just a really tight band as well like um <laughs> Um, like the, some of the drum parts on even even just Go Your Own Way or Secondhand News or mm. um, even like bangers later on the album on the chain and stuff like that. I mean, I'm just basically listing off <laughs> the songs with drums on them. But yeah, they're, they're, they're all interesting parts, I think, musically, but they all came together and served the songs. Mm. That was the, that's the main thing for me um, in terms of like the hooks are so strong. <laughs> And, yeah. Um, almost transcendently, like we, like even just saying there are strong hooks is a disservice to the mm. quality of the record. 
Um, they're iconic in so many ways, aren't they? Like, like even, I, th- mm. I think it's one of the. Uh, uh, no, that, that's that. No, I can't make that. I can't say that, and it'd be true. But so many of the, even the drum parts are so iconic um, in so many ways. Uh, and I really love like like Mick, like the the fact that so many of the Mick Fleetwood songs on the of the drum parts they have like a crash on the second beat, which is really really strange. Um, sure. like if you think about rumors, the way it starts, like dum um, yeah. or even on. Um, go your own way as well like you sort of have mm. that like da, 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 dun, dun, ksh, like like one two and so like there's always a crash on the two which like is quite a weird like mick fleetwoodism i guess yeah that, like you yeah. don't hear all that often yeah and i guess like quite versatile music as well it's not purely folk or rock or pop or anything you know you can stick mm. the chain in guardians of the galaxy and it just fits right there you know yeah um, yeah exactly it's, it's um, really um it's really versatile yeah, and i guess also like um it's quite jammy as well at parts you know they're just yeah, it's hella jammy. But it's um, like, you think of the songs, but then there's like crazy outros. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, like, uh, what is it? The chain sort of being the big one that like got used. Well, that's another place that gets used as well. Mm. Like you have um, the chain in Guardians of the Galaxy, but it also gets used in Formula One as well. Yeah. And the bum, ba ba bum, ba 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 bum. Of course. Is the, yeah. yeah, is the Formula One introduction yeah. music. So like. That's crazy. And even some of the, I mean, the I, I know that we've tried to play some of the songs before. I think you've tried to play like um, "Never Going Back Again," and you were telling me oh, how, oh, how it's such how a difficult you, that I can I can try and show you if you like. Do you still remember it? It's kind of like it it is it's trickier than it sounds. A lot of the stuff. It's so um, much harder than it sounds. Like, um, even, uh, just just from a complete musician's perspective, I'd say. Yeah, um, I mean, like, so, like, as as a guitar player, like mm. the Lindsey Buckingham stuff is ridiculous. Like, it's in it's in um, E. Sorry, it's in F sharp originally. It's, it's tuned down to. Um, to drop D but like the whole time you have this like that this thing going like the whole time so then you have like and then you have this horrible like four over three thing like if you fancy like you know sort of two days uh hidden up, hidden away in your bedroom um <laughs> like trying to work that out uh, which is definitely what i did um it's got like really cool like and it's just it's just an amazing part that you have that kind of um it's absolutely fantastic guitar playing on um he's, he's such a weird like he's such a odd guitar player in so many ways um so that's a really awful rendition of never going back again but i mean back. i mean you did it <laughs> it's um, all good but like the one that the one that the one that weirds me out more is that like, because he does he never plays with a pick i don't think Lindsay buckingham mm. um so like so much of his stuff is like it's done like with his fingers um so like the what is it on um go your own way um it's like he's got this weird like um like he sort of like slaps the strings it has this kind of like And the whole song is played like that. Like, sure. Loving you is. <laughs> yeah. Loving you isn't the right thing to do. So it's like literally, like, it's like his hand is just like, like, like slapping egg on the strings the whole time. Yeah. And then, like, yeah. even in the solo with the whole, like, you like. Like, like, it's literally just him, like, like, like hammering on the strings. Um, sure in a really peculiar, like, in a way that, you know, like, it's, 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 it's oddly raw and kind of, like, visceral, the way he just, like, like, it's, it, there's, there's, like, there's a finesse to it, because obviously, like, he's striking the strings very accurately, but, like, just the motion of his hand is literally just, like, you know, mm. like, clawing away at the strings. 
yeah. um, which is a really t- interesting way to play, like for me at least. Yeah, but then you also have like songs like Dreams, where it's just two chords the whole way through, and so yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's quite, it's quite a big variety. I think I think also I think some of the songs on Rumors they ha- they kind of take off on a life of their own, like mm. um, like like I can't believe Dreams is the most streamed song off rumors <laughs> but um i mean i guess in the streaming age maybe that's different because obviously this album wasn't released in the streaming age or anything um but um yeah i feel like things like songs like go your own way they're like you you don't have to think of them as like an integral part of rumors they're sort of their own songs you know mm. um and yeah they almost yeah take a, take on a life as compared to like on a concept album where you think like this track will follow this track you know um or maybe we're just not big enough Fleetwood Mac fans to 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 think of things like like completely in, in terms of the album. Mm. Um, I think also what's interesting is that um, I guess it is sort of a super album in their discography. Um, like the casual fan won't think of um, much of Fleetwood Mac's like remaining discography. Or maybe this is a very UK centric or just me centric thing. Um, obviously they had other really good albums as well like their self-titled one um, as well as Mm. Tango the Night but at the same time like Rumours is just so much bigger than all of their other albums um, even combined I'd say (laughs) is it one of the best selling albums of all time? Probably right. It's got to be up there I think Um, Mm. I know it's like like on most of sort of Billboard Hot 100 like top albums of all time or top albums of the 20th century or top albums of um, you know most things like it, it frequently gets very very high um, yeah. I'm just wondering, like, in terms of you look on Fleetwood Mac, like the top five, okay, like four of their top five, like hits on Spotify as well are, um, like they're from rumors, um, yeah. everywhere being the one that's, uh, that doesn't, uh, yeah. fit the bill. Mm-hmm. I guess they're one of those artists where if you dig deep into their discography, there's going to be stuff that you can find that are really good. Um, um, like outside of rumors, but you have such an overarching, like massive record, um, I'm trying to think of other artists that might have that type of um, aesthetic where they just have like this one huge record. Um, mm. I mean, it, it's kind of unfair to say to to Fleetwood Mac because I'm sure their other records were very successful. It's just Rumours was just, you know, just way further than everything else. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, it's all, you almost become a victim of your own mm. success if you have an album that does really, really well because... Yeah. Um, you know, mm. it's so difficult because it's like, like, do you're you... You're not a one-hit wonder, you know? You're, you're, no, not a one-hit wonder. That's, had, the, that's the thing. But, like, but at the same time, <laughs> like to have... Yeah, it's like a one-album wonder almost where like you have multiple yeah. hits on one album. But mm. like it's difficult, isn't it? Because like if you, if, you, if you achieve that level of commercial success, I guess you have like... There are mm. two ways you can go, aren't you? You can either try and top that success and do it again, but better. Or mm. you can say like, okay, well, I've done that now and I'm going to just do what I want to do now instead. Um, yeah. It's kind of like... Uh, I think of it like like Graceland by Paul Simon, I guess is a good example. Like I think mm. if, if you mention Paul Simon to most people, like outside of Simon and Garfunkel, most mm. people would say, okay, well, you can call me out as kind of like, you know, the big song from Graceland. And yeah. that was obviously his commercially, like his best selling album as well. But mm-hmm. he said like after that, once he'd done that, he was like, well, I don't need like, I don't necessarily need to try and be commercially successful anymore. Like I've had my big, you know, and I mean, he did it twice, obviously with Simon and Garfunkel as well. It was massively mm. commercially successful. But he went sort of just off to do his own thing instead. And it was critically well-reviewed, but it didn't have the same commercial success as Graceland did. Um, mm. And I guess it's the same with Fleetwood Mac as well, that like um, Eponymous, for example, wasn't as commercially successful as Rumours. Nothing was as successful as Rumours. Um, mm. And so you almost become a victim of your own success that you like, it's so good that you can't 
top it almost. Yeah. And I, I guess it's also rare that you have just like one like album that worked, you mm. know, that like the full album worked and all the pieces came together right for this one moment in time. Um, but then, I mean, I mean, those artists may have one really good record, but they have like maybe other successful singles as well and or like a bigger catalog. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they think of that way, but... When you think of Fleetwood Mac, you think of rumors. It's like that's like they're defined. Like it just defines everything, you know. Whereas even yeah. if you have if if you have Michael Jackson, then obviously Thriller is the like sold way better than all of his other albums, just in terms of units sold, whatever. Yeah. How, however you think of that metric, but he's he's not just defined by Thriller, you know. He's defined by everything else. <laughs> yeah, um, precisely. And um, yeah, I'm just trying to think of other artists that that even have that, but. Um, maybe maybe Fleetwood Mac is sort of quite unique to that. Um, I think. Um, I mean, I know it's a lot later on, but I would argue that Maroon Five had something like that with songs about Jane. Well, it's. it's I know different. they've. I, I know they've moved yeah. on and they have a lot more commercial success. But like mm. again, maybe it's just to me. But mm. like, so many of their of their classic hits were on that one album. Um, mm. They've they've you know, changed like ha- a lot. It's, it's like they've kind of. Um, yeah, I feel like the the aims of the albums at the later stages are different, and I think they're they're sort of classics to different people. <laughs> um, although I feel like most Maroon Five Maroon Five fans will be a fan of songs about Jane, even if you're just a fan of um, Five, like the newest album, or yeah, or um, whatever the other album was. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I feel like those songs got their way into sort of the whether it's you know the, like the cultural fabric of the early two thousands, like mm. more than say sugar got into the cultural fabric of the 2010s like to me at least i guess moves like jagger like it like it was was a very big song but it was but like again it wasn't like it wasn't like on an album in the same way because like on um songs about jane you have like she would be loved you have sunday morning you have uh harder to breathe you have uh this love you have um that's another one as well of like the absolute classics mm. This is, but but like but like you know you have like on one album you have four like classic tracks whereas like mm. I would like it's harder to do that I think now sorry what like and they don't have that like as much on the later albums I think like you have your your single that you release and then you have like you know other things that mm. that almost fill the space and that if that makes sense yeah I guess it, yeah it, it did really work as a full album in in that way <laughs> yeah to the yeah compared to the records um, but uh, yeah it's hard to think anyway. Um, Rumours, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> yes. Um, what would you say, like, um, like, what is your, like, what's your memory of Rumours? Sort of, like, what's your experience of the album? Um, I mean, it, it definitely came via, like, like my parents and sort of older generations listening to the album and even, exp- like, knowing that, like, just Googling it and realising that it's, you know, it's... Um, like loads of people just love the album so much um but yeah i guess it's it's just another one of those albums that just gets passed on i think it's quite interesting um to think about i I guess it it sort of has it's just a sort of own word of mouth legacy to it um um, i mean i I don't know if younger generations will be getting into (laughs) sort of fleetwood mac and trying to um, I mean, it's it's, it's not going to be a viral TikTok hit anytime soon. <laughs> mm, um, yeah. Although very much speaking through the lens of current 2020 trends. Um, but um, 
I guess like as you said, the fact that Dreams has four hundred million hits on mm. sorry streams on Spotify like is a testament to sort of how how it's aged over the years because like mm. either you have either it has been passed down to people you know to younger generations who do stream it and it's been streamed 400 million times or it's that much of a hit that like older generations have sorted out on spotify as well and they've you know they've found it you know 400 million times mm. um you know i think it, like it, it's definitely like it has such it, it's it's yeah it's like it's gotten to the point where it's kind of it's a, it's a classic album and it's sort of one of those things that like you know it's it's, it's it's so synonymous with sort of pop music and releases and stuff. It's sort of one of those things you almost can't really escape. Yeah, I yeah, I guess so. Like people will keep bringing it up for a, quite a while. Um, yeah, like in one way or another, like it like it finds its way into like various like like there's not like a wedding that I've played where like everywhere hasn't been requested at some point or it hasn't come on, um, you know. And there's not sort of like like various gigs that I've played where like I haven't thought about covering like various Fleetwood Mac songs. So like, like they and yeah, like it's like, like the music just, it's, it, it's gone so deep into the sort of cultural fabric of things that it's almost like there's no escaping away from it now. Yeah. Do, do you think it almost becomes like, like, does it, does it stand up to its reputation? Will it stand up to its reputation over time? I mean, as if you like the album, you're going to say yes, but like is is it almost like i i guess i guess it's an album that has that has been able to do that you know and um, whereas if if an album sells like loads but never ever lives up to its quality and um, it just sells loads at the time um mm. then i guess that's that's the way it stands up to the test of time i guess i don't know <laughs> yeah i see i see what you mean mm. like it is a weird one cuz like i think yeah <laughs> like like the songs on the songs are absolutely fantastic on it, but it's kind of like it has got that weird sort of like I feel like it does get it does get massively hyped up and like it's I think there is a date you, you can you can definitely overhype it. Mm. Like and I think you do have to be like in the right sort of phase of your musical understanding of your life to kind of like get the meaning of some of the songs or the deeper parts of it, like so because of because because of everything that was going on with the various relationships or like the McVees divorcing during the recording process and Lindsay Buckingham, Stevie Nicks kind of like being on mm. and off and the whole like coming together, like just to produce the music. And then it's sort of like coming away again. Yeah, um, it's like the stars sort of aligned and then they've sort of never come back again. <laughs> it's like yeah. The, it's like the talking, exactly. heads or, talking heads or the Beatles, you know, like those relationships have turned sour in later years um, um, due to various things. Um, but the art came together at that moment in time, you know, yeah exactly i guess maybe that's maybe that so it it adds something to it that like it kind of the the music like the music they were making was so important um Mm. you know to them and they were so they had so much faith in the music itself that they were almost they were willing to put aside you know horrible differences Mm. um to come together to record it um yeah i guess you have to know the context to do that but maybe if you do know the context then it maybe adds a little special you know Mm like impetus like listening to talking heads knowing that the band members hate each other or just cannot get along with each other um it's like it's almost yeah it, it does make it more special but also kind of sad at the same time because i guess fleetwood mac are still touring and they're still yes they are selling out arenas and they will keep doing it until they retire um whereas with talking heads like it would be a miracle if they ever tour together again yeah um, exactly um 
And uh, I guess it's amazing that they're all still, you know, around as well in the in this day and age. And um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think like may- maybe maybe that does maybe that does give credence to the whole thing about it, like it living up to the hype or not. The I think you, you know the fact that you can appreciate it musically by itself, like musically, they are fantastic songs. The but as you said, they're a ridiculously tight band. The guitar playing is amazing. The drumming is fantastic, and the harmonies are really, really innovative and are used to great effect as well. Um, mm. And the fact that you have multiple singers in the band that are you know singing lead, so it's not sort of like you haven't got this one person who's kind of leading the rest of the band. Like it is very much a band experience, um, which is quite unique. Um, like you can appreciate it on a musical level, but then I think the fact that you like the, um, you know, the fact that they were obviously all in, you know, less than adequate circumstances and, you know, in quite dark places, you could say the fact that they brought that all together and sort of, they were able to put that aside, you know, for the sake of the music is, uh, I think is like, it adds a kind of interest to it as well. And also like, that's always, that's always the talking point in it as well. I think that's kind of the whole, like the, the, the context around rumors is, what makes it so interesting i think the fact that um you know so much was going on behind the scenes with the recording studio the fact that the press was sort of releasing these you know inaccurate stories about stuff or rumors you know hence the name of the album Mm. um like that like the controversy surrounding it almost propels the album into this sort of like extra level of you know musical significance yeah 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 i'm i'm sort of yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm. It's. It's one of those albums like you record it, you listen to it, and I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess it's just that moment in time thing, and I'm. I'm curious to see what significance it will have to me like years down the road, and um, mm. if if it's gonna be the same, if it's if it's just gonna be another nostalgia piece, um, um, or if it's gonna. I mean, I'm sure it will, um, but you know, who knows? <laughs> um, in this day and age, I think it's. It's. I think a lot of the like themes and topics discussed, obviously a lot of it's, it's based around relationships and sort of the, the, the hardships they're in. Um, they're very universal topics and very universal, you know, themes. And so I think sure. if you've got something like that, where it's um, like, it's not necessarily bound by time. Um, mm. And also I'd argue, I mean, maybe less so with some of the songs on it, but like the music isn't really, it doesn't, it's not dated, Like you don't listen to it and go, oh, that's a late seventies album. Um, mm. as you do with that's, other music, you know, like, like that's Simon true. and Garfunk, you don't like really... Simon and Garfunk, for example, like when I listen to it, you go, oh, that's, that's the sixties in and mm. you know, it sounds like it's from the sixties. And if you play it now, it has that sixties mm. vibe. Or I think like everywhere, for example, um, you know, or to take a song off rumors, like, um, go your own way. Like, it's not kind of like, you don't listen to it and go, oh yeah, that's from the 1970s. It has a very sort of timeless sound. And so like the fact that it has like a timeless sound or like, you know, or, or a, a, like a, uh, a chronologically ambiguous sound um yeah, like if you played it to a 10 year old they wouldn't think or yeah a 10 year old that appreciates music but a 10 year old <laughs> like that, <laughs> that that doesn't know about eras of music yet and they might just i mean they might still think it's like vaguely old because it doesn't sound like trap or hip-hop or anything but um yeah but you you wouldn't like that album could could have been made you know like this deck like last decade um yeah exactly um, just like like of, like maybe it'll indie- sound a bit different but yeah, it's like yeah. nothing there is unachie- wasn't achievable at, at any point in time. Yeah, in recorded like if, music. If time. it was like uh, like like if like uh, I mean I don't I don't necessarily want to call it folk rock because it's it's a bit bigger than that. But like if a folk rock band had a song like that today, like you wouldn't be like, oh, that sounds really dated. Like it, it it's mm. very transferable. And I think that combined with like you know the sort of universal 
idea of the themes of like you know of heartbreak and sort of like reconciliation you know don't stop thinking about tomorrow etc etc like you know there's such universal themes and it's such an easy thing to understand mm. that i think well i hope at least that like the you know the songs will be remembered for years to come mm. yeah fair anyway I guess the more of the story is listen to rumors. It's great. Have a listen <laughs> I mean, to rumors. Sure. It's amazing. I mean, is, is there is there anyone listening to this probably that hasn't heard any of these songs? That can't be. You know, it's one of those. I mean, um, yeah. If you, like, let us know if you if you've mm. never heard a song off rumors. Um, but if you yeah. if you have listened to rumors, let us know your favorite song uh, mm. down in the comments and why. Um, and we look forward to uh, hearing about them. Yeah, and talking about more albums. This is fun. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a few more. We're gonna talk about more albums in future. Um, if you guys would like to, us to talk about any album in particular um, that you think we should chat about, let us know uh, also in the comments um, because we'd like to broaden our musical uh, our musical knowledge about certain things. So giving us an excuse yeah. to do a deep dive into anything really would be absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for tuning into Sonic Bites. If you liked what you heard, drop us a like or follow us on Spotify, Anchor FM, or wherever you get your podcasts, or drop us a comment on YouTube at Leo Kelly G Music, Instagram at Sonic Bites, or Twitter at Sonic Bites Pod. More episodes coming very soon. Stay tuned.